Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good morning and welcome to Exceptional Women. I'm Kendra Petroni and I'm really excited to talk with Nancy Farrell. She's the chair of the National Public Policy Council for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. I'm thrilled to talk with her today. Her involvement with AFSP is very personal as she lost her brother Michael to suicide over 30 years ago. Nancy has been a pillar in spreading the message and being the voice to help stop suicide. Good morning, Nancy, and welcome. Good morning. Wow, that's quite a lead-in. Thank you. All right. Well, you deserve it. Well, let's start at the beginning. How did you become involved with suicide prevention? Well, as you said, I lost my brother, Michael. He was an assistant district attorney in Brooklyn, New York, and uh, suffered a really severe depression. He was hospitalized, and you know we had a big family, a lot of people involved in his, uh, hopefully, recovery. Um, and he just, I don't think, ever believed that he was going to get better. And so he died by suicide. And we were heartbroken. Uh, It was totally unexpected. We thought he would recover. Mm -hmm. Um, And a a bit after, maybe a few months after, my mother found a support group. And the leader of that support group had been founded by, had been trained by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, which we will call AFSP, which is a lot easier. (laughs) And she, this was in New Jersey. um, And she invited me to come down. And I walked into this room um, with maybe 20 people sitting in a circle, and the the leader uh, asked everyone to introduce themselves to our family as we were the newest and, and went around the circle and talked about their experiences. And by the time they got to me, I said, oh, my God, these people know what I went through. Mm-hmm. They know um, that as a family we're broken and we need to recover. Right. And that was the beginning of relationship because I went on then to join the Boston chapter and have been active ever since. What was it like in 1992? I mean, outside of that group, what was it, how was it perceived or what was it like for your family? Because it seems as though it's a little more visible now and it's a little more out there now for for support. But what was it like in 1992? It was pretty lonely, Kendra. You know, as a family, we didn't know much about suicide prevention or 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 depression. My mother is a nurse, but she had no experience in it. Right. And um, we had to make a big decision when we went to the funeral home about what to say about my brother's death. Right. And we all felt like not saying that he died by suicide was to deny what he went through. And so we were very forthcoming about it. And um, because he had worked in a big agency, you mm-hmm. know, his district attorney came to the funeral. I mean, there was, there was a lot of splash. He knew when he died, you know, the all the police officers in New York um, knew him, you know. Yeah. So why keep a secret? Right. But you're right. Over the years, it has become a very different kind of conversation. And for the first 10 years I was involved in the organization, a lot of it was about how do we get rid of the stigma of not mm-hmm. only talking about suicide, but right. backing up into the whole conversation about mental health and suicide prevention. What do you think is is the biggest misconception that people outside, if they're if they're just mm-hmm. an average man or woman listening or just going about their day, what's the biggest misconception there is about suicide? Um, I think people think I still hear people say that if someone's really intent on it, you can't change their mind. Hmm. I know that's not true. 
um, because I know that there are interventions that make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, when there are celebrity deaths, for instance, like Kate Spade and mm-hmm. Anthony Bourdain, yep. one of the things it does is give us an opportunity to correct some of the misimpressions. Uh, you know, one of the big ones is if you're worried about someone, don't ask them if they're suicidal. And there's research that shows that that's not true. And what, you re- what that person really needs is for you to talk to him, let's say, and yep. understand and offer your help and not be judgmental. Like, oh, you have to get better. But right. to say, how can I help you? It's the presentation it's, of how you're asking and how your, your care is sort of perceived exactly, to that person, I would exactly. think. Exactly. And so many people are afraid to even ask the question or I'm to have sure. the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I remember fear, you know, working with my brother. Was I going to say something wrong or do something wrong when all yeah. he really wanted was for me to come and Just hold his there. hand and be there and figure out how he was, you know, what was he going to do next and things like that. And mm-hmm. and so, um, you know, it's funny when people um, ask me, I'm the oldest of five siblings. Okay. Wow. My brother was the next youngest. I always say the oldest of five. And then they ask me, you know, well, where are they all? And I say, well, we lost my, mm-hmm. my brother, who was a year younger, to mm-hmm. suicide out of a deep depression. And that opens a conversation mm-hmm. every single time, you know, to someone who doesn't know what I, what I do and believe in. Because they know someone who's depressed. They know someone who has attempted. They may know someone who died right. by suicide or in the community or somewhere else. So it just opens. It, it's different. You know, people are much more willing. And there's a generation I think a younger generation now who's been much more open about it. And we're really grateful for that. Let's talk about the language, you know, when Mm -hmm. we talk about suicide, because you'd mentioned the celebrity deaths that have been in the news and it sort of brings more attention to it, even though it's been ongoing for a very long time. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the language that we should be using when we talk about suicide, because I know and I know from working with David (laughs) O'Leary. how to properly address things, how to properly talk about them. And I see a lot of magazines and news reports sometimes don't really use the proper language. So what can you talk to us about that? We as an organization, and I know many others feel the same way, we never say someone commits suicide Mm -hmm. because the word commit um, goes along with committing a crime or committing a heinous act or something like that. So Mm -hmm. we say died by suicide or took his or her life or something like that or, you know, uh, it, it just it just puts such a negative spin mm-hmm. on the on the act itself, um, and so we try to have have uh, we we have guidelines for the media. You do have great do. guidelines uh, yes. on your website on yes. uh, afsp.org. Yes. It's fantastic. You have you've made it so easy, so there are no excuses to anybody <laughs> listening. This is right. It's fantastic yeah. because a lot of people don't know. Either they don't know, they could be ignorant to it. I mean, you're educating all of us, and I think. To make it as easy as possible for everybody to understand, it's not hard. I mean, it's it's simple. So AFSP.org, you know, f- to go there for awesome tips. If you're reporting on it, you're writing about it, you don't know what to say, or even in conversation, right? I think or it's great. you have a family member you're worried about, and we have signs of um, to look for. Or if you're concerned about someone, you know how they're talking, what their mood is, how mm-hmm. they're acting. There's a whole list of things that might get you thinking about asking the right questions, right? And I want to also ask you about one of the the main missions of AFSP is Be the Voice. And I always wanted to, what what does Be the Voice mean? So it's interesting because um, we went through a whole uh, process of trying to think of a new name because, as I said, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention is quite a mouthful. Um, 
and and the and the phrase "be the voice" um, came out of that whole process, and it really rang true with a lot of people because what it says is "be the voice for suicide prevention." And interestingly enough, as an organization, when I first came on board, w- most of our members were mental health professionals or people we call loss survivors, like mm-hmm. me. Um, but in the last 10 years or so, what we, the people who have been coming to us are loss survivors, um, but also people who have survived an attempt mm-hmm. or who are struggling with their own challenges every day. And they've come into the organization and really brought a different voice. So it's, mm. it's a combination of being the voice for suicide prevention, but being the voice and talking about your experience and helping us all to make a difference. It's, it's a very simple yet you know, memorable statement. And it's, it's, it's just incredible. The work that you're doing, I think is, it is very courteous and very kind. And I think it, like you mentioned before, it presents any kind of a situation regarding mental health and such in a more positive way. And I think we need to do a lot more of that in general (laughs) in society. So I really commend you on that. Thank you. I want to do some statistics here just for those of you listening and, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, yeah. Nancy, but right here in Massachusetts, suicide is the 12th leading cause of death. Mm-hmm. And on average, one person dies by suicide every 13 hours right here in Massachusetts. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. Wow. I yes. mean, that's what overall is the most important thing that we can do And listeners now that are that are tuning in. What is the most important thing, the first thing you can do? that could possibly help save lives if you if you know someone or you're dealing with it yourself? If you know someone, um, reach out and offer your help. Um, if it's an emergency situation, deal with it as if it's an emergency. Mm-hmm. Either take that person to an emergency room or, or, or call the police. But in, in your everyday life, if there's someone at your workplace that you're worried about, mm-hmm. or if, you're, if one of your children is worried about someone at school, Talk about it. Find help. Um, destigmatize the help. You know, if if we've mm. if we've got a bladder infection or we twist our arm or something, we go right away for help. Right. But when it comes to our brain, we tend to be a little reluctant. Mm-hmm. We think there's a judgment. Yep. There isn't a judgment. There are people there willing to love and care for you, and um, professionals who who have a lot of strategies. We know that interventions work. Right. Um, there's an amazing study of the Golden Gate Bridge, which shows that people. Um, who were going to attempt and were prevented, um, 10 or 15 years later, um, they were followed, and they were all, 90% of them were alive. Wow. Well, to me, it's such a powerful statement. That is very yeah, powerful. Yeah. Something happened. Wow. There was an intervention. The day changed. There was hope. There was help. So, wow. so there are ways that we can all help. And I want to give out um, the hotline number as well. Um, It's, you know, for anyone that you know is struggling, it's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It's 1-800-273-TALK, which is 8255. So 1-800-273-8255 if you want to give that a call as well. And, you know, if you're just waking up and tuning in, you're listening to Exceptional Women on Magic 106.7. And we have been talking with the extraordinary Nancy Farrell. She's the chair of the National Public Policy Council for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. She lost her brother to suicide back in 1992, and she's been sharing her story and AFSP's mission to spread awareness and reduce the stigma associated with mental illness. Let's get back to our conversation. So my husband's a police officer, mm-hmm. and um, although he doesn't share everything that he sees and experiences mm-hmm. uh, you know, at work. I know, it's, I know he has a hard time with a lot yes. of it. Talk about your work with the Boston Police Department and the interactive screening program that they do. 
So this was a great opportunity several years ago. Um, one of the things that we learned as an organization in working with veterans is that veterans um, faced with a crisis might call a hotline, but they didn't follow up. And so the mm -hmm. Defense Department came to us and said, uh, or Veterans Affairs, um, what can we do? We're, we're, we're finding that these veterans call, but then they hang up and don't call back. So right. we took a screening program online that we had developed for college students for obvious reasons. Right. And we developed it for, um, for veterans. And the crisis center was finding that that was making a difference. So we took that same screening program and offered it to police That's departments. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And the Boston Police Department, the Boston Police Foundation was one of the first in the country to use it as a tool to try to identify uh, officers who might be at risk because, as you well may know, more police officers die by suicide than in the line of duty, right. both in Massachusetts and across the country. Um, that started effort started several years ago, and, and when Commissioner Gross came on board and he found out about it, he is really just yeah. a great booster of the program. Yes. Um, last year, he wrote a letter to every member of the police department. We helped put together packets with the police foundation and other groups. Um, we had a press conference on Boston City Hall. And he's trying to drill in the message yes, that it's yeah. smart to get help. Mm -hmm. You know, off police officers have firearms. Um, states where mm -hmm. there are firearms, uh, you know, much more commonly owned, there's a higher rate of suicide. So it's a real, as you know, it's a real conundrum for a police officer. It is. Who does not want to admit there's a problem right. and perhaps face, you know, the loss of status and Absolutely. everything that goes with it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I, I love that you are doing this. I think it's it's fantastic. I, I want to ask you, you know, a little more in depth about um, AFSP. Who, who are the people that work with you? Who are the people that that do all of the behind the scenes work? The people that are there, is it are they volunteers or who are they? Well, Tell us about your staff. Most of the people I work with are volunteers. That's um, awesome. Uh, so let's see. We have three paid staff in Massachusetts who cover the entire state, um, and then across the country we have similar. We have we have chapters in every every state in the country, um, so there will be some paid staff. We don't really have offices except in in New York, the main office, and in Washington D.C. where we have our main advocacy office. So most of the people who do most of the work are volunteers, and wow. they're people like me who've lost someone to suicide, like David O'Leary, whom I met many years ago when he called me to do an interview like this one. Wow. And I didn't realize that he had just lost his cousin to suicide a few months before. Um, and David got involved in the organization. So um, there are people who've had losses, they're friends of people who've had losses, they're mental health professionals, but they're all people who have passion for some reason for mental health and suicide prevention. So everybody that's there is there, and they're in 110% Pretty much. personal. That's, yeah. that's wonderful. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Project 2025. Okay. What's, what is that? So, uh, you know, the suicide rate in Massachusetts has gone up 35% since 1999, and that wow. figure astoundingly applies to many states across the country. And as, a couple years ago, um, actually, I was at a conference and, and talking to the president of the American Heart Association. And they have, you know, they do a great job, but their job is a little easier. I mean, you can test blood pressure, you can lose weight, you can do all these right. specific things, and they're all on their website. And he said, well, you know, we developed a goal of reducing uh, the number of people who have heart attacks by X percent every year. And he looked at us and said, you should do that. And so I was with our, our CEO, and, and, and we kind of sat there and thought, well, I guess we should, because if we don't do it, we won't force ourselves, perhaps, to think about things in a different way. Right. 
So Project 2025 looks at places or areas where people, where we might be able to have an impact to reduce the suicide rate. Now, that doesn't mean we're, we're still walk, working across the lifespan from teenager to elderly. Right. But what we're doing is targeting things like um, states with a lot, where there are a lot of firearms, where the suicide rate is really high, and, and put it in implementing programs which say, if there's someone at risk in your home, remove the firearms for that right. period of time, because a firearm attempt is usually fatal. Right. We're working with the criminal justice system. A lot of people get caught up and are in a holding cell and there aren't services or treatment. So right. what we're doing is, is identifying specific ways that we can reduce the rate by 20%. Will we get there? I don't know. But thinking, but, but the target right has made us think differently about the whole challenge. Wow. And, you know, if you're listening and you want to be involved and you want to help, there are so many events that you that you do throughout the year. I know from from David do, being involved. Let's talk a little bit about the out of the darkness walk. It's happening here in Boston on October 26th. Why, why the phrase out of the darkness? Be, does that relate to the, the stigma that we have and that we're trying to get rid of? It does, exactly, Kendra. Um, when we started walks, oh, I don't know, 12 years ago, something like that, a lot of people said, oh, who would walk for suicide prevention? No one talks about it. How could they possibly walk about it? And so someone came up with the idea of walking out of the darkness. And these community walks happen all around the country this year. This fall, probably 350, 400,000 people will walk for suicide prevention. Wow. So th they've really, they're, wow. they're really, yes, they're, they're important both in terms of perception and growing communities, Absolutely. but they also raise a lot of money. And that money, 50% um, of what we raise in Massachusetts uh, comes back to the state in terms of our staff salaries, our programs, mm -hmm. and the other 50% goes to research on a national level. It goes to our advocacy program to try to try to get more money spent on mental health in every state and, and nationally, um, to develop all the programs for high school students, college students, police departments, yep. veterans. It's all important. It all, all important. matters. So, but we invest 50% of what we raise back here in Massachusetts, so we're always rolling out programs and uh, we've recently started meeting with a number of employers because if you look at adults, where do they spend most of their time? At work, uh, exactly. right. And that's yeah. that was my next, you know, yes. question after getting out of the walk time frame. What, you know, what what are you doing working with employers, and how are you implementing awareness? We, in offices. We found that there, it, this started actually in California at a company where uh, an employee uh, died by suicide at the workplace. And mm -hmm. that company came to us and said, everyone is, you know, we need to do something. Right. So we have what's called a postvention program, which, you know, we can come in and help people basically recover. But um, in terms of prevention, we have started, we've met recently with some law firms where there's some, where mm -hmm. there's a fairly high rate of suicide. Um, in the legal profession. Um, we're bringing, initially we bring the Talk Saves Lives program, which enables mm -hmm. you to know what to say, what it's safe to say, what you right. should say to someone you're worried about, a colleague, or, or a colleague whose husband or wife is at risk. So what we do is try to bring those programs into workplaces, into hospitals, into schools. We have, we have programs for high schools and colleges. So um, we have volunteers and we have staff and people roll those programs out and we're constantly reaching out um, and trying to implement them um, at, at every age. Right. Group. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think back, you know, when I when I was in middle school and high school and even in college, I mean, those programs would have been great for a number of people that yeah. I knew or, yeah. or just even for myself and for my group of friends to know 
what to do, what to say, you know, we can have a little bit of the common sense thought, but it does help to have people that have experienced and know what right. is going on to help educate us even further. So if people want to get involved, is it is it too late to get involved in the Out of the Darkness Walk? Can people still donate? Can they get involved? How can they do that? They can go to AFSP.org forward slash Boston Walk. Um, they can choose, they can sign up themselves to raise money. They can go in and look for someone. They could go to my, they could look for me, Nancy Farrell, and <laughs> donate to my, uh, to my walk. All um, right. They could show up uh, on the 26th at 9 a.m. on City Hall Plaza and register and donate right there. Oh, that's so yeah. easy. And we'll put a link up on our website mm-hmm. as well after right. um, the conclusion of this interview as well. And I wanted to ask you, we're almost almost out of time. I could talk to you for hours here. <laughs> Such a wonderful person. I'm so happy Thank to have you, you here. Uh, November 23rd is yes. the International Survivors of Suicide Loss Day. Yes. It's a day for people to connect, understand, share their stories of the loved ones that they've lost. What do you think is the most important thing for those that we have listening who have perhaps lost someone to suicide for them to remember? What would you say? What advice would you give them or inspiration would you give to them for those that are listening? I try to think of my brother now as um, a family member we miss. Um, There are days when I think about the sad parts of how he left us. But there are a lot of days where I think that my brother and people like him have created a community of caring and love and hope that's trying to make a difference every Mm -hmm. single day. the recovery is often very difficult, and um, but I think that reaching out to people of a common experience, which mm-hmm. is what the Survivors of Lost Day is about, really helps you to have a perspective. I got on an airplane a couple of weeks ago and sat next to a guy who I thought, oh my God, if my brother were 65, that would be my brother. Yeah, I wonder if yeah, you it, yeah, that. Yeah, it's really, um, I almost said something to him, but I figured I would freak him out. <laughs> <laughs> But it was kind of, you know, I know what he missed, and I know what I miss about him. But by the same token, um, the gift that he's given me is this community, is this passion. Um, and is, and is, you know, I walk in his footsteps in some ways. I try to make a difference so that other families will have different kinds of memories. What is your, what is your goal for the future? of AFSP or in, in general when it comes to talking about mental health or, or you know, getting rid of the stigma of suicide? What is, your, what is your future goal, something that you maybe haven't gotten to yet, but something you really would love to accomplish? Of course, I'd love to lower the rate. That would really, that's a huge overall growth. I, when I go to Congress, um, we do once a year, we bring, you know, 300 people and we walk the halls of Congress. What we're finding is that when we walk in the door, people know why we're there Mm -hmm. and what we're doing. And I want to walk in the doors this year or next year or four years from now and have them say, don't worry. We've just put $40 million Hmm. into suicide prevention research at NIMH. And oh, by the way, we're going to fund these programs for police officers and veterans and and everyone, you know, and these poor older white men who are mostly at risk, you know, in the United States. I think I want that recognition that we are a major disease group mm-hmm. and that they need to help us solve this problem. Well, I think you're on your way. You're, you're an amazing woman, and I think what you have done in sharing your story today, a lot of people 
aren't there yet, they can't do it. And if they're listening, you know, you can. I want to actually give out that um, the number once again. If you know somebody who is struggling or if it's you who is struggling, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-TALK. So it's 1-800-273-8255. We'll put a link up on our website as well. Well, thank you to Nancy Farrell for being in the spotlight today on Exceptional Women. We talk to celebrities and CEOs, but we're also interested in your neighbors, coworkers, and friends who are quietly making an impact in their communities. Email us if you know someone that you'd like to suggest. We'd love to hear from you. And be sure to join us every Sunday morning at 730 for another edition of Exceptional Women. Thanks for listening and have a great day, everyone. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.